Can you guess what animal Stefanos Tsitsipas compared himself to after his crazy five-set comeback match against a doll? Uh, let me guess. Was it a lion, a tiger, some other big cat? No. Okay, so maybe a ferocious sea creature? Like a killer whale, a shark? Nope. He said he, quote, flew like a little bird, quote, through those last three sets. Well, that's quite the underwhelming statement to use when describing some of the best tennis that he's ever played. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hold On To Your Racket, the podcast for Gen Z tennis fans. We're your hosts, Shravia and Josefina. Josefina and I are so excited to be creating this podcast and sharing our love for tennis with you all. Shravi and I are two high school gals and tennis fanatics united together by our on-the-court and off-the-court companionship. And we're the young female voices in modern-day tennis you've been looking for, so we hope you enjoy this episode and stay tuned for more. So we're back with another Australian Open episode today on Hold On To Your Racket podcast. Today is February 17th, and actually just yesterday on February 16th, we celebrated our six-month anniversary of the podcast, so that was pretty big, but we only realized it until, like, way late in the night. Yeah, Josephina texted me all of a sudden, she was like, OMG, I was like, what? Because it could have been a variety of things that she could be referring to, but um, then she was like, "It's today's hotter six-month anniversary, and I was like, no way! So, honestly, glad we caught that in time before the day ended, because we would have really regretted it if we had missed it. But to go, let's go into some hot headlines before we cover so much quarterfinal action that has happened at the Australian Open. Just ended a couple hours ago, actually, with a thrilling five-set match, which we will dive into. But let's talk about some hot headlines, as I said. So first of all, the snap lockdown is going to be over. So the state of Victoria is ending its five-day snap lockdown as planned. We covered this just a couple episodes ago um, after following an outbreak of a few cases in Melbourne uh, in a hotel near the airport, not connected with the Australian Open. So the state went into a five-day lockdown. Now that lockdown is being ended, the restrictions are being lifted, and this means that fans will be allowed back into the Australian Open um, just in time for the singles semifinals. So that is very exciting. And then also, Dylan Alcott won his seventh straight Australian Open quad singles title just last night. Um, and he won his home slam, defeating Sam Schroeder's 6-1-6 love in the final. He lost the first game and then won the next 12 straight. And this is just two days after he won the quad Australian Open doubles title for the fourth straight year. So seven straight Australian Open singles titles, four straight doubles titles. Lots to celebrate for Dylan Alcott. And then we have Bianca Andrescu reaching the semifinals of the Phillip Island Trophy. So the Phillip Island Trophy is the WTA 250 event being held in Melbourne Park for the WTA players who lost in the early rounds of the Australian Open. So to get there, Andrescu defeated Romanian Arena Camelia Begu in a tight match to reach the semifinals, and she won that match 6-3-4-6-7-6, and she's to face Marie Buscova next. So definitely some big stuff there for her, having a chance to have a comeback, even though she lost early in the Australian Open. And also we have some news about Andy Murray. We brought some news up about him a few episodes ago um, with him having success in the Challenger event in 
I believe it was Italy. And he pulled out of a challenger event, so reached the finals of the BAA challenger last week, and then has pulled out from the second BAA challenger tournament that is happening this week. So Murray's coming back to the ATP tour next week at the tournament in Montpellier in ATP 250, and Murray received a wild card into this tournament. So let's see what he can do. And then lastly, we have actually um, some kind of surprising news about our 2020 Australian Open champion, Sophia Kennan. So in a social media statement, she shared that she just recently got an appendectomy on Monday, uh, last Monday. Uh, She went to the Australian Open tournament doctor uh, last week because she was having a quote-unquote acute abdominal pain. And the doctor advised her to visit the hospital and she discovered that she had appendicitis and uh, quickly had a surgery done on Monday, February 8th, which is just two, so just two days after she played her second round match versus Kaya Kanepi and lost in it. So unclear if there's any connection there, but clearly she was just recovering from surgery. Um, but, you know, all the best for her recovery and um, hoping that, you know, everything went well there. Okay, so as we said, and right before going into the headlines, there's a lot that has happened in Melbourne since the last episode. Um, We had a bunch of exciting quarterfinal matches. Uh, Some of them extended into this morning for our time zone. And, you know, as always, as we've introduced this tournament, we're going to talk about the matches of the round. We have one on the ATP side, one on the WTA side. The ATP one, though, is probably for this this round was the sensational match and this is the one that I was as I was just saying extended into the morning for uh, our time zone. I mean on the ATP side I think it could definitely be argued that it's the match of the entire tournament. I mean Stefano Tsitsipas the fifth seed defeating Rafael Nadal the second three six two six seven six six four seven five and Stefano Tsitsipas is now only the second player to defeat Rafael Nadal after being two sets to love down at a grand slam and I mean before this going into this Nadal led a six to one head to head over Steph so it seemed like all odds were against him even as we went into the beginning of the third set so at a key point in the match it was early in the third set in um the third set tie break and Nadal completely shanked an overhead and it really shook him and this allowed Tsitsipas to fully transcend into what we're gonna call his god mode because I mean the Greek god thing um I think at the what's that tournament called the ultimate showdown yeah the uh, ultimate, ultimate tennis, tennis showdown, showdown the yeah. UTS thing yeah um and actually, the organizer of the Ultimate Tennis Showdown, Patrick Moradoglu, was in Stefano Tsitsipas' box because he trains at that academy. So, um, definitely, Patrick Moradoglu is having quite a bit of success at this tournament so far with Tsitsipas and Serena still in the draws. But, um, yeah, I mean, I woke up just in time to catch the, the fifth set, kind of like the second half of the fifth set for this one. And, you know, Tsitsipas was really holding his own there. In the final three sets, he hits 36 winners to just 18 unforced errors. And as Josefina said, you know, this is how Stefanos himself described his quote-unquote God mode. He said, I don't know what happened after the third set. I was flying like a little bird. So I flying like a little bird is what made him win. Then I, I hope to see more of Stefanos flying like a little bird the next few rounds. So, you know... 
For perspective, Nadal hit only five unforced errors in the first two sets, and another five just in the third set tiebreak. So that tiebreak was a nervy moment for sure, but full credit to Stitsipas for really holding his own and bringing out some amazing tennis, not afraid to go for his shots, um, and full, you know, full credit to him. And even Nadal in his post-match um, press conference gave a lot of praise for uh, Sitsipas. And so, you know, as we kept going, moving through the later sets, uh, Stefanos' serve was big. He hit zero double faults in the entire match. This was like a five set, I think around four hours long of a match. And to hit no double faults, especially in some of those nervy moments, is a pretty big deal. So this was probably the match of his career or match of his life so far. Yeah, and then also Stespino said later, before serving for the match, I whispered to myself that this game would be the toughest of my life, and it was. I mean, in the last game, Nadal attempted to fend off Sissipas' victory by saving two match points, but the Greek was just playing too solid of a game, so he really channeled his inner, I guess, hummingbird for this one. (laughs) Yeah, I mean... After the press conference, as we were saying, Nadal did have some words to say. A lot of people were trying to, in my opinion, at least, discredit Tsitsipas' victory by bringing up Nadal's injury again. But, you know, Nadal brought that, like, addressed it in his press conference and said, look, I was feeling totally fine. That wasn't a factor in it. He said, quote, I never considered myself an unlucky person at all. It doesn't matter the injuries that I had. I think I am a very lucky person. The only thing that I can do is just keep going. This was in response to when someone asked about whether or not he feels he has a curse at the Australian Open since, you know, he only has that one title. Um... But he said, today I'm not feeling unlucky. I lost to one of the best players. So you can take a look at his press conference for more, but uh, definitely some great, uh, the players had some great words for each other after the match. And with this win, Stefanos is now only the third player to defeat Federer and Nadal at the Australian Open. He defeated Federer last year in 2019. And the other two players who have defeated Federer and Nadal at the Australian Open are Djokovic and Murray. Good company there then for Stefano Tsitsipas to be with Djokovic and Murray in that. I would imagine that uh, if you listen to our last episode, our coach Petros was on it and he's a good friend of Stefano Tsitsipas actually. So we know that he was also super happy about his win today. So definitely a good day for um, Tsitsipas fans. But whether or not, you know, this was definitely a hard fought match from Nadal as well. Um, but, you know, regardless of who you were a fan of, I think that the one moment that everyone could appreciate and love was how Stefano signed off on his camera after the match. He said he signed it, TP, that was for you. Now, if you're wondering who TP is, TP um, are the initials of his girlfriend, Theodora Patala. So Stefanos dedicated his win to his girlfriend, which was a really sweet gesture. And um, I know we've been keeping an eye on how players are signing off on the cameras after their matches, so this was definitely um, a nice one. So that was a pretty blockbuster ATP match of the round. Uh, our WT match of the round happened the day before, so um, and this was uh, also a very strong win, which was Serena Williams, the 10th seed, defeating Simona Halep, the number two player in the world. So this is their first meeting since that 2019 Wimbledon final that Serena lost to Halep, and which is often touted as, well, which really is Halep's best match of her entire career so far. Um, and we noted how in our last episode, how Serena was kind of looking for revenge from that. So she took the win 6-3, 6-3, and Williams herself said that this was the best match that she's played in this tournament. 
She was down a break in the second set, actually, at 3-1. But, I mean, not only did she dictate play, but what was most key was that she was also, like, her court coverage was unmatched. And when you're playing against Simona Halep, who probably is the player right now with the best court coverage um, and the best defensive skills, and for Serena to match that and, and you know, surpass that level of, of uh, coverage and defense, I mean, she was the one that was outlasting Halep in the rally. So that is a big sign. And we... Uh, mentioned in our last episode too that this improved movement was also on display when she was playing Sabalenka so and you know we said if she can keep that up in her match versus Halep then that would be a really good sign and she definitely did playing two very different types of players but her tennis was unmatched and I mean as we move farther into the tournament she only seems to be improving her form throughout this tournament I mean with her wins over Sabalenka and Halep in the past two rounds they were insanely impressive, especially considering the, like how she was at a mental kind of deficit against Halep because of um, that past match they had at Wimbledon in 2019. So to come back and fight through that, that's incredibly impressive and really shows that she's back at her best. And she seems really confident and feeling good about her tennis. She said, I think this was the best match I've played at this tournament for sure. I knew it had to be going up against the number two in the world. I had to be better, and I was. So I'm excited. And then she also said, I feel like this is a great opportunity for me to just to do my best in the first Grand Slam of the year. So it's really great to see her so confident and positive going into the semifinals. Yeah, so two great matches there. Um, definitely check those out, you know, some highlights or something if you haven't already. But now looking ahead into the semis, we're going to preview all four of the matches. So our first WTA, uh, we're going to start off with the WTA. Our first semifinal is Carolina Muhova, the 25th seed, versus Jennifer Brady, the 22nd seed. So this probably is the semifinal that no one was expecting. I think both uh, the top halves of the ATP and the WTA draw are a little surprising in their semifinals. Um, at least on the Muhova part, I think Jennifer Brady is someone we expected. Um, you know, we pointed her out as a dark horse early in the tournament and, you know, said that she uh, could make it through to the semifinals a few episodes ago, too. And she's made back to back hardcore Grand Slam semifinals. And speaking to that fact, uh, in her post match interview, Uh, Jennifer Brady said, I hope I make it a habit. Hopefully I have a new habit of making finals. So uh, definitely has her eyes on the prize. But let's talk a little bit about who she faced in her match and how that match went. So she played her good friend, Jessica Pagula, in the quarterfinals, and she beat her 4-6-6-2-6-1. Pagula was playing really well in the first set, but Brady bounced back, and it was all Brady in the late second and third sets. So Brady was definitely the fitter player during the match. Pagula had been coming off of some more physically grueling matches too. So Brady spent a lot of her time in the offseason working on her fitness. So that was definitely something that Brady had as an advantage going towards her win. And they had a really nice hug at the net post-match. So it's always good to see good friends ending on good terms, even after a tough match like that with really high stakes. And Brady said about that, we're such good friends. I'm really happy for her success. I know we'll be having a lot more tough battles. So that's really great to see from both of them. And I mean, Brady was one of the hard quarantine players and she said that the hard quarantine was actually in a way helpful. So it's really great to see how players like Brady can 
really just try to find the positive no matter how hard the situation and she really did that and she said mentally I was feeling a little bit fried to be honest I think I used that two weeks to kind of reset mentally and also physically just give myself my mind my body a little bit of a rest and then she also said a few days ago there's way worse things going on in the world than me being stuck in a hotel room for 14 days so that's really the mentality that other players should be modeling off of when like when we have to go through this because this is something the whole world is going through and it's important to remember that as players have to um endure these quarantines for to play tournaments so she's looking in prime position to make the finals honestly too and we're going to talk about her opponent in a second yeah and i mean it's also speaking to the point of how they're such good friends jessica pagula tweeted after um the match amazing player but better person thanks jen for pushing me and inspiring me at the same time keep shining and then jennifer brady responded nothing but respect for you jess so really great to see them uh fighting it out on the court but you know you can tell that they're honestly really happy for each other Next up for Jennifer Brady is the Czech Karolina Muhova, who defeated the world number one Ash Barty, who I actually thought was going to win the tournament, um, but this tournament has been full of surprises. Uh, so Muhova beat Barty in three sets, one six six three six two. So I was watching this match. Um, it wasn't the highest quality match, but I mean it's all mental at some point. So Mohova has now pulled off a trifecta of upsets with Pliskova, Mertens, and Barty and has proved to be the comeback player of the tournament. She came from being down a love five against Pliskova, down 5-2 versus Mertens in the first set, and then she lost the first set to Barty 6-1 and was down two love in the second set. So she's definitely someone not to count out and clearly has that strong mental game to get her through to these comebacks. Um, probably the talk of the match was some was the medical timeout that she took, not only because people were confused about why she took the timeout, but also given the momentum swing after it, because Barty really couldn't regroup after that medical timeout. So Muhova explained in a press conference, quote, I was a bit lost on the court and my head was spinning, so I took a break. It was more they just checked my temperature because I was a bit lost. I was spinning, so they cooled me down a bit with ice and it helped me. So basically, she was dizzy, she was having some health problems, um, and there's not much doubt to the validity of her medical timeout kind of after she explained it. The reason there's controversy, though, is because people were, you know, kind of criticizing her for saying that, quote-unquote, being a bit lost doesn't mean that she needs a medical timeout. But if you actually take a second to watch the video of that press conference, I mean, obviously, English isn't Muhova's first language, so she was obviously trying to indicate that she felt dizzy and wasn't feeling well, but she just didn't really know the the English word for it. If you watch the tape, you'll know what I mean. Um, but, you know, either way, uh, after they after they cooled her down a bit, Barty's game just completely flopped. It was pretty much one-way tra- traffic after that. She couldn't regroup. She wasn't dictating play like she likes to do. And Barty even said herself that she had no problems with the medical timeout. She said, quote, it's within the rules. She's within her rights to take that time. That shouldn't be a massive turning point in the match. I'm disappointed I let that be a turning point. So definitely some um, trouble for Barty there, especially considering that this is her second tournament after a full year off. So just to make it this far either way is huge for her. And 
It was the first full three-setter that Barty has played in a while, so she kind of lost her rhythm there, and she said, It's heartbreaking, of course, but the sun will come up tomorrow. You're either winning or you're learning, and today's a massive learning curve for me, so actually a great attitude for him, her there. And not to take away from Mahova's effort either, I mean, she really picked up her forehand in the second and third sets. Mahova shortened the points, and she was definitely more aggressive, and this is probably the biggest win of her career and she's into her first grand slam semifinal and that was her second grand slam quarterfinal and second top three win so definitely heading into new territory here for mohova so looking to this match though brady versus mohova in terms of who we're gonna pick not only because she's one of our favorites but also given that she kind of has an added layer of experience at the u.s open um given her you know strong form ever since the end of the COVID hiatus I think we're going to be picking Brady for the win at least I think that she kind of can bring it at this stage um and has been here before and I think she's ready to take it one step further to reach the final on the other hand though though Mohova has been facing a lot higher quality opponents in her route to the semifinal and she's also shown that she has that mental strength to be um a comeback player so um, a tough matchup there It'll also be interesting to see how both of them feel physically. You know, Muhova had a, you know, that's something with the medical timeout. And then Brady also had a three-set match. So we'll see how that plays into it. But um, it should be exciting because we're going to see a first-time Grand Slam finalist at this Australian Open in the women's side. And then on the other side, we have Naomi Osaka, the third seed, versus Serena Williams, the tenth seed. Definitely not first-time finalists here. And this will probably be the best of their matchups, considering they're both playing super high levels of tennis in their matches so far. And, I mean, before when they've met, um, I mean, the first time they had did, um, Serena was just coming back from having a baby. So Naomi took that one. And then we have that controversial final in the 2018 U.S. Open. And then after that, uh, win for Williams in Toronto. So definitely some up and down gaming here. And starting off with Osaka, she defeated Shea Su Wei, who at 35 years old is the oldest woman in the open era to make her Grand Slam quarterfinal debut. But she defeated her 6-2-6-2. Osaka is looking very dangerous, having hit 24 winners and losing only two points on her serve. And Osaka said post-match, I'm definitely really happy with how I played today. Every time I play her, it's always such a battle. Even though the score was like this, it was actually another battle for me. She's able to hit winners off both sides. You never know when she's about to go for it. So it's a little sad that Shea Suwe's run has come to an end. She was definitely a player who we've really enjoyed watching in this tournament. But we hope to see more from her in the future. Yeah, and um, Osaka hasn't just had this win carrying her momentum into her semifinal match. I mean, we remember her round of 16 match versus Garbina Muguruza, where she saved match points. And, you know, after the match, she said, um, I wouldn't say it's easier, but I'd say it makes me more calm, kind of talking about how that win is helping her. And um, I think that this mentality that she has, she's come through a lot of tough players. Uh, she's facing another tough player. Um, definitely you know, that helps her. She likes playing those, uh, she likes stepping up to the challenge because she clearly has done that knowing that she had the most challenging draw. But, you know, all three times that she has made it to the quarterfinal of a slam, she has won the entire thing. So she is undefeated past the quarterfinal stage 
um, in Grand Slam. So we'll see if she can carry that through. But that's just a testament to how she really steps up to the plate um, and brings it at these events. But, you know, she also said, she kind of says this before every match, but it's different when it comes to Serena. You know, we saw with Shea Suwei, she was saying that, oh, it'll be fun if I don't get angry on court or I'm not looking forward to playing her because she knows she's really good. She always kind of says stuff like that, Osaka and her perform matches, but, you know, um, she's definitely a force to be reckoned with. So for Serena, she said um, quote, that she feels, quote, really intimidated when I see her on the other side of the court. I mean, who wouldn't? She's the greatest of all time. But I think that if anyone in this draw has a chance of beating Serena, anyone in this draw, out of everyone that she's played, everyone who's out of the tournament now, other half, whatever, it's definitely Naomi Osaka who's going to pose the greatest challenge to her. So now let's talk about Serena Williams for a little bit. She just defeated um, Simona Halep 6-3-6-3 in the last round, as we discussed in the match of the round section. And Serena also passed an important test in the round of 16, defeating Arena Sabalenka. And so again, she's going into matches with what seems to be something going against her. So, I mean, just this mental thing that she has going for her will certainly help as well as the physical shape that she's in so serena on anticipating her match against osaka said i've been watching her and i'm sure she's been watching me i feel like this is such a good opportunity for me just to keep going doing my keep doing my best it's the first grand slam of the year for me i had an incredibly long arduous off season and so i'm honestly happy with every win i get and serena is looking really super stable going into this match this is the best she's looked at a Grand Slam in a while. So a lot of big things coming for her in this match. So as Josefina said, the last time that they met was at that Adelaide exhibition. Serena won that, but it's an exhibition match. I personally don't really count it. Um, And, you know, also, as she noted, they're probably the most famous meeting was the 2018 US Open final. So Naomi does lead the head-to-head 2-1, but I mean, Serena has really been bringing her best these past few matches. She just beat back-to-back two of the most informed players at the moment. And uh, Serena's also someone who really steps up her level. We saw her at the U.S. Open semifinals so close to beating Azarenka. Um, and then, you know, we saw that, you know, weird ankle thing, and then she kind of slipped after there. I think that Serena, you know, we just talked about this, but... Her court coverage is also looking amazing. She's looking fit. She's looking, you know, aggressive. So I think that she might even have the slight edge in this. But Naomi Osaka is, you know, you might not you might not sense it based on the things she says before her matches. But she's also feeling good going into this, considering the game that she's playing. So it's hard to pick. But if I had to pick, maybe I would say experience might help out with this match. Going on to the ATP side, the top half semifinal that no one was expecting is Novak Djokovic versus Aslan Karatsev. So if anyone predicted Aslan getting past the third round of the Australian Open, let me know because I don't know how you could have predicted that. That's pretty, that's some strong predicting there. But to start off with the number one seed, Novak Djokovic fought off the sixth seed, Alexander Zverev, in his quarterfinal match. Um, in four sets, six seven six two six four seven six. This was a pretty tense match, actually. Um, Djokovic was down three love in both the third and the fourth sets. Zverev had, a, Zverev had a set point in the fourth set, but he really failed to capitalize on those opportunities. And 
Djokovic ended up pulling out that win. And Zverev is now 0-8 versus top 10 opponents at Grand Slams. Yet he's 25-29 to versus top 10 opponents at other tournaments. So there's clearly something, you know, up until a few years ago, Zverev really was not breaking through at the Grand Slam level. Now he's getting a little bit further, but he's still struggling with playing these top players at those big events. Um, so, you know, we, like he clearly missed out on a lot of opportunities in those in the third and fourth sets. So um, definitely a tough match there, but uh, the AO King did pull it out. And speaking of abdominal injuries too, I mean, I mean both Djokovic and Zverev had tape on their abdominal sections. Djokovic had that um, tear during the Taylor Fritz match. Obviously, we've heard a lot about that one, but then this Vera one is honestly something new that I've just heard. And then quite a dramatic match. Djokovic smashed his racket, and he even dropped to the court at one point. But, I mean, he is kind of that showy kind of player, so definitely not unexpected. And Djokovic said, I knew it would be the toughest match of the tournament so far. We pushed each other to the limit, so... Good stuff there. And Djokovic being Djokovic in his post-match also started talking about the Australian Open quarantine and offering his own suggestions. He said, I don't want to sit here and complain about what we have been through, but we have to be honest and realistic that it has an effect on the physical well-being of players. Of course, also mental, emotional, but physically, I mean, this is not normal. And then he pointed to the injuries that a bunch of top players have been met with at this tournament, namely Nadal, Berrettini, Zverev, Dimitrov. Um, and, I mean, he does have a point there. Clearly, there's something about that quarantine that is, uh, you know, hard to stay as fit in it. Not for Karatsev and Brady, though, but um, definitely some injuries that have come out of that period, possibly. But here's where Djokovic statements get even more interesting. Yeah, he even suggested something similar to the NBA bubble, and he said, select one place and we play all the tournaments on that surface and that place. You know, three or four weeks in, three, four, two, three weeks rest, then <laughs> I don't back know again. what he was... <laughs> he's, he's... I don't know what he's trying to say here. Something like that, I don't know, on the top level. And then he said, but we just have to discuss options because I don't know honestly if this is going to work. Um, I don't think he realizes that, like, the ATP and the WTA and the Grand Slams and all the tournaments have been working together and collaborating for basically a year straight to figure out the best possible solution to keep the most amount of people safe at the same time while allowing players to play tennis. So, I mean, I guess go ahead and keep suggesting if you would like. Um <laughs> But is anything going to be done about your suggestions? I don't think so. Yeah, and then someone, a journalist, asked Nadal in his press conference about the suggestion. And he see, he said something along the lines of, well, after the Australian Open, no tournament seemed to have planned a quarantine anyways. The Australian Open is like the only tournament that really had that 14-day, um, you know, strict quarantine in place. So... I mean, even though, you know, some other players have talked about it, Zverev seemed to be in agreement with Djokovic in his press conference. It seems like a discussion that will continue uh, even after the Australian Open. Maybe the PTPA will be resurrected to um, have more debates about this. Um, But at the moment, I don't think an NBA kind of bubble is in sight for the tennis world just yet. 
So next up, we have the man of the hour, the man we didn't expect to be the one of the hour, um, Aslan Karatsev, who defeated Grigor Dimitrov in the quarterfinals 2-6-6-4-6-1-6-2. And Grigor seemed to be in command in the first set and had several opportunities to go up a break in the second set, but failed to convert. So it was pretty much one-way traffic after that in Karatsev's favor. Karatsev did a really good job of regrouping after a kind of nervous first set and he began serving a lot better but of course we saw him do this same thing against Felix in the round before in the round of 16 coming back from two sets down so this guy he has ice in his veins also like we're talking about these top half semifinalists who we didn't expect Muhova and Karatsev both of them also seem to be like comeback kind of people we talked about Muhova coming back in a bunch of her matches Karatsev has done the same so uh, definitely some parallels there. But as for Grigor, um, he said he has a he had a back spasm on Monday, and he thought it was okay, but then it ended up carrying into his quarterfinal match versus the Russian. He didn't want to quit or to retire, kind of like we saw with um, Venus Williams. A lot of these uh, players really don't like the idea of kind of retiring if they can play through and finish the match, which is definitely very admirable. Donna Vekic kind of did the same too. Um... But, you know, Dimitrov had praise for uh, Karatsev after the match. He said he absolutely deserved to win. He's a great player. To be here, clearly you've done something right. You've put in the work. You've gone through the qualifying. Went through tough and good matches and built up confidence. So, um, great sportsmanship from Dimitrov. And still a great tournament for him, too. I mean, we've seen him struggle the past few years. But he did a great job of making it to the second week, to the quarterfinals. And... If he had been healthy, he could have even gone one step further, but I think this is a great way for him to start off his 2021 season. And either way, going back to Karatsev, really impressive stuff from him. And as we said, Dimitrov did have chances in the second set and was in control then, but Karatsev just took those opportunities away, and that really seems to be something that he's been able to do and what allowed him to get this far in the tournament. Karatsev said, It's an unbelievable feeling. First time in the men's draw and first time in the semis. It's incredible. I'm just trying to enjoy the moment and not think about the run too much and playing from round to round. So remember, this is Aslan's Grand Slam main draw debut. He's played not only the five matches in the main draw, plus the three before that in qualifying. So this guy has come a long way. And those three matches in qualifying were pretty much half halfway around the world in Doha because they had the qualifying round there. So this guy has put in the work. The advantage for Karatsev going into this match versus Djokovic is that, and this is kind of the advantage he's had all along in this tournament, especially as he started facing the seeded players. He's going into this fearless, right? Like there's no real expectations for him. Um, he's kind of there to compete. We saw that shine, especially in his matches versus Felix and Dimitrov and Diego. Um, but, you know, there is a disadvantage. Not only the disadvantage isn't just the fact that Novak Djokovic is the king of the Australian Open, but also they're playing at night, and Karatsev has played all his matches in the daytime conditions, which are a lot quicker. And those quicker conditions help Karatsev's game because he's so aggressive off that serve and forehand. So that's the one thing that he's going to have to adapt to. Um, but in I'm going to be wild and say that Karatsev is going to win. I just think there's something about this story that doesn't seem to be stopping. Uh, team a- uh, ATP Cup Team Russia has also been doing well. Um, so I think that, you know, he has a shot at this. He's shown he's not scared of the big stage. Um, there's going to be fans this time. 
I think that the fans are going to be pretty revved up about the idea of a qualifier, uh, a guy who no one knew before this pretty much, into the semifinals at the Australian Open. Fans are coming out of a five-day lockdown. I think they're going to be pretty energized for this one. So, I don't know. I'm going to pick him. And then speaking of Medvedev's, I mean, Karatsev's compatriot, Medvedev, like, they've been actively supporting each other and praising each other as they move farther into the round. So that's also really nice to see that camaraderie. Um, So going into this Medvedev versus Tsitsipas match as the semifinal, first up with Medvedev, he just defeated his fellow Russian, again, another fellow Russian, Andrei Rublev, 7-5-6-3-6-2. This is the 10th consecutive top 10 win for Medvedev, so big stuff from him and a lot of momentum here. And Medvedev said, we had some unbelievable rallies and after the point, it's tough to breathe. I think I'm one of the few players to make Andre that tired (laughs) and I'm quite happy about it. And he said this about a 43 shot rally that they had in the middle of the match. It was, it was just crazy. And they were both just left gasping for air. It was, I'm not going to say funny, but it was just, they really gave it their all. Yeah, exactly. It really, like, their emotion really showed through here. And he also said playing a friend is, quote, never easy. And we've seen this a lot in this tournament. I mean, with Pagula and Brady again, with that hug at the net, and then Felix Auger-Aliassime versus Shapovalov, also two friends from childhood. So this tournament has really been one of friends beating each other. And then also Medvedev said, I know how to neutralize his amazing big shots, and that was definitely one of the best matches I played lately. Not only here, but even last year. This match is really unbelievable because he was playing really good. I managed to beat him in the in three sets, even without a tiebreak, and I'm really happy about it. Um, and Medvedev won on 80% of his first serves and struck 14 aces, so really good serving percentages going into this match against Tsitsipas. Yeah, and also, not to take away from Rublev either, both times he's gotten to a quarterfinal now, um, well, on the hard court, so U.S. Open and here, he's been stopped by his friend, uh, Daniil. So, um, they definitely have great quality matches between the two of them. Uh, Rublev seems to be carrying through his form from last year as well, so that's good to see. But this is the 19th straight win for Medvedev, and so there's something, he definitely has something going for him. Um, and it's also, you know, going to be key in his match versus Tsitsipas too, especially with those 10 consecutive top 10 wins. He seems unstoppable. And beating Rublev in straight sets, as he said, without a tiebreak also, is very impressive. Also, this is only the third time a pair of Russian men have advanced to the semis of a major, obviously Karatsev being the second. And, um, you know, he had some great words to say about this. Uh, Medvedev said, I'm so happy for Aslan, he made history. If we'll have a Russian final, it's just going to be a dream come true, but we're also going to have quite tough matches and tough opponents. And speaking of tough opponents, who's Medvedev going to be playing in the semifinals? I believe, I might be wrong, I believe it's Tsitsipas. Ah, yeah, he seems to be a bit on fire lately. Oh, definitely. I mean, we just talked about him defeating Nadal in that ATP match of the round, and this winner mentality he has going for him right now will prove to be very useful in the semifinal. I mean, that is a huge win for him, like, unbelievably big, and having that confidence and I mean he was smiling non-stop once he was once he got off the court so that's only positive vibes going into this match and then 
I mean, versus Medvedev, Stefanos has a big chance to get to his first Grand Slam final, and that would be huge. We only saw him really shine at the Nito ATP finals in 2019, so maybe he has a chance to go all the way here. That's kind of crazy to say, but... I also think it's very notable, uh, Sitsipas has now made two back-to-back slam semifinals on two different surfaces. He made the semis of the French Open, where he lost to Djokovic in that five-setter, and then he made the semis here. So he's also someone who's really showing that he can also bring it at the um, Grand Slam level. I would say the first of the next-gen players to do that was Medvedev last uh, two years ago at the U.S. Open. He really showed he could do that, and now it's Tsitsipas following, um, following that trend too. So uh, I'm, I've said this in each episode. I'm really looking forward to hopefully having a new ATP, fi- uh, ATP Grand Slam champion. Um, and I think that there's a shot of that here because both of these players look really informed. But, you know, not only is Tsitsipas coming off of this great match, but again, Medvedev is on this crazy winning streak. So aside from the high-quality tennis that we're going to see, the two of these guys have also known are also known to have a few uh, interactions on court. Um, I'm, if you just search up uh, Medvedev, Tsitsipas, uh, fight or whatever you you'll see a lot of stuff. In our last episode, we talked about how Sitsipas once called Medvedev's game style boring, and then proceeded to beat him at the Nito ATP Finals. Um, but you know they definitely have an interesting relationship. But I think that has quelled since then. But um, there's there's definitely a lot to look forward to with this match. But before we sign off for this episode, we want to share something interesting. Um, we kind of a lot of people have been talking about how for Karatsev specifically he has made more at the Australian Open so far just with the semi-finalist prize money than he has in his entire career so I was like why don't I you know take a look at kind of this Australian Open semi-final prize money in the context of career prize money for all the semi-finalists so far so we're gonna kind of go right into that so we calculated um the uh what share of or the we calculated how much of the career prize money of each of the semifinalists was worth the semifinalist prize money that were getting that they were getting so for the WTA side for Carolina Mohova the semifinalist prize money amounts to 46.5% of her career prize money so far for Brady it's 32.8% for Osaka, it's 3.7%, and for Serena Williams, it's 0.7%, obviously, given that she is such a successful player. Then on the ATP side, for Djokovic, um, the semifinalist prize money amounts to 0.5% of his career prize money so far. For Karatsev, it's 106.9%. Um, for Med, it's 4.5%, and for Tsitsipas, it's 5.2%. So, also, for context, the Australian Open semifinalist prize money is $660,875 US dollars. So, a lot of interesting stats here. Um, and it's it's interesting to see how, you know, one tournament can really be life-changing for someone like Karatsev. Thank you so much for joining us, and that is game, set, and match for today. If you like this episode, please let us know and stay tuned for more. We'll be providing you all the coverage of the Australian Open and, of course, all the tea on tour. Email us at holdontoyourracket at gmail.com for any questions and leave a rating on whatever platform you're listening on. 
Hold On To Your Racket is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on social media at Hold On To Your Racket on Instagram and at H-O-T-Y-R underscore Tennis Pod on Twitter. Our next episode will be released on Friday, where we will preview the Women's Singles Final of the Australian Open. And remember, my name is Josephina. And my name is Shravia. That is, if you enjoyed this episode. If you didn't like it, please tell your friends my name is Ben and Shravia's name is Harry. See you next time.